Welcome back to the Effective Ministry Podcast, the podcast that helps you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your local church. My name is Tim Bealhartz, a children's ministry advisor for YouthWorks in Sydney, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by the Reverend Ian Barnett, founder and CEO of the National Grandparent Movement. Until recently, Ian has been the senior minister at Fig Tree Anglican Church near Wollongong, and in his last few years of that ministry, as the number of his own grandchildren grew and grew, he became particularly attuned to the unique joy and opportunities that grandparents have in the faith formation of their grandchildren. The reason I wanted to have Ian on this podcast was not just to talk about biological grandchildren, but also the intergenerational influence that those of grandparent age might have on those in our children's and youth ministry. As we get into during the interview, there will be kids and teenagers in our ministries who might not have grandparents or are relationally and geographically disconnected from their grandparents. Likewise, there are going to be senior saints in our churches who don't have grandkids or are relationally and geographically disconnected from their grandkids. The church provides a wonderful opportunity for these two generations, often on the margins of regular church life, to come together for mutual and reciprocal discipleship. And if you want to see a good secular version of this dynamic, you can check out the Australian TV show Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds and its sequel Old People's Home for Teenagers. As you listen to Ian and his passion for those of grandparent age, I'd love for you to be thinking about how you can intentionally build into your children's and youth ministry some relational engagement for the more senior saints in your church. And if you'd like more help with that project, please reach out to us at YouthWorks. You can head to youthworks.net and select Ministry Support at the top of the page, and then click on Meet the Team, and you'll find all of our contact details there. This episode is coming out in mid-December, which means that in Australia, we're coming up to our long summer holidays. This will be the last episode that we release in 2023, and then we'll be taking a break over January. We'll come back in February. I've already got a few great conversations lined up for the new year. I'll be chatting with Matt Markins, the CEO of Awana in the U.S., David Wrightveld, the Senior Minister at Dapto Anglican Church and the author of Being Christian After Christendom, and then Mike McGarry from Youth Pastor Theologian, and of course, plenty of local children's and youth ministers from around Sydney and beyond. Thank you once again for listening along with the Effective Ministry Podcast. And if you would like to give me a Christmas present this year, you could write a review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your message to Effective Ministry Podcasts at youthworks.net. That would be a great encouragement. That's enough for now. Let's hear more from Ian Barnett. Well, Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for jumping on. When it comes to children's and youth ministry, uh, most of our listeners wouldn't immediately think of grandparents or those who have grandparent age in our churches. Uh, and yet if we're thinking about who is invested in the lives of the young people that we care about, uh, it is going to be their households and their grandparents who are invested. And if they've got Christian grandparents who are in, uh, invested in their faith formation and their faith lives. So what is the significance of grandparents in the lives of their grandkids? What have you noticed? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Great question. Over the years, uh, the involvement of grandparents, uh, more and more, they're the ones who are in the space because mum and dad are working now. And so they're the ones, especially for kids, say, under the age of 10, have actually more time. And so they have the capacity, if they're intentional enough, to actually share their faith journey, to tell stories about what it was like for them growing up as a, as a Christian or in, a, in another household, 
some cultures, as you know, actually have their grandparents living with them. Mm. And so there's all sorts of different shapes and sizes uh, in that space. Uh, but the impact, I think, directly is the fact that they can be there. They probably can be even better listeners than their parents. They can engage physically and hug and care for their, their grandkids. And I think it's also a generation that we know will pass away one day. And so while we may not, at my generation, be good at telling all our story, I've noticed that as grandparents listen to their grandkids and their kids, they start to earn trust and the right to speak into the lives of their grandkids. And we're also noticing that more and more, the grandkids will say things to grandparents they actually won't say to the parents. And so that becomes such a valuable point for grandparents because they can share wisdom. They can certainly pray for their grandkids, but they have the capacity in 2023 to actually be there and engage in far different ways than we used to. What does it look like um, for the grandparent to be passing on and, and helping shape the faith formation of their kids? You said, you know, sharing their story, praying with them. What are some of the other really practical ways that grandparents are shaping the faith lives of their grandkids? Yeah, and I don't want to assume, of course, that uh, every grandparent's kids, as in their sons and daughters, are Christians. Uh, that's often not the case. Yeah. Uh, and so I just want to put a right in there. You make, it's important that you actually get permission from the parents to say, is it okay if I speak about my faith uh, with the grandkids? Um, but when you have access with them, the question I often ask is, what do you do with them? It's easy to have fun. It's easy to roll around and buy lollies and all that sort of stuff, fill them up with sugar and send them back. But do you actually use, I call it God language. Do you actually speak about how God has worked in your life? Do you speak about Jesus and how he has held you firm throughout your years? Do you actually even open up the Bible mm. in the times? Because I... I've got grandkids from age four to 16, and my six-year-old granddaughter the other week was speaking about death and actually said, granddad, I don't want you to die. Now, I could just say, oh, sweetie, that's so lovely, and leave it there. Or I can actually maybe take the risk and say, well, this is what granddad believes when you die. Because I believe in Jesus, like your mum and dad, I believe I'll actually go to heaven. Mm. And then she actually asked, does that mean I will go to heaven? I said, well, if you believe in Jesus... And so it's taking moments and being a bit bolder with your language and words. So certainly praying, reading the Bible, engaging, telling stories is important. Uh, also showing them Christ in your own life. Yeah, the walk and talk language is often around, but I think it is far more important for the kids to see what you do so it can be backed up by what you say. And that involves how you speak to their parents, how you love their parents, how you deal with disappointment, failure, fear. Uh, what if their sons and daughters' marriage have broken down? How do you speak gently into the lives of the grandkids? All those things add up to you actually having a profound influence as you become more and more intentional in their lives. And there's that old adage that you know, faith is more caught than taught. taught. So as you say, that, that life uh, alongside and showing how Christ is active in your life is going to be really key. Absolutely. And now, of course, if you've been walking with Jesus for 40, 50 years, you really, your, your lack of bitterness, your high level of forgiveness, dare I go to Galatians and talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. But the reality of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, I'd like to think in my own life would become far more evident to those around you. And look, we know the kids watch their parents. I'm sure your kids watch you, Tim. Absolutely. The kids watch the grandparents and that's so key. And so all those elements and the way our faith and our life has been shaped by scripture should now be really evident in the lives of the lives we live. Mm. 
let's um, paint a picture for us of what grandparenthood, I don't know if that's a word, but grandparenthood in Australia is like in 2023. You've mentioned a few things already. There might be struggles with uh, broken families. There might be uh, dislocations. There might be a, a faith disconnection, but uh, you might even have intergenerational households at the other end where you've actually got more generations living together than just the you know, uh, nuclear family. But from your um, study and speaking and engagement with this, paint us a picture of uh, grandparenthood in Australia in 2023. Look, it, I love the phrase. I'm going to write it down. Thank you, Tim. I love grandparenthood. I'll write a chapter on it one day. <laughs> uh, look, compared to, say, 40, 50 years ago uh, with my grandparents, they never spoke to us. I have no lasting memories of how my grand, I had two grandfathers and one grandmother, how they engaged with grandkids. It was very much seen, the whole theory about seen and not heard. Mm. And now we're living longer. Now we actually have grown up in a whole different world. We have far more opportunities to actually literally engage with our kids. But some of the challenges, distance is a challenge uh, in terms of them living far away. Yet at the same time, I've heard grandparents tell the story that, uh, they are closer to their grandkids who live in Byron Bay. Uh, we're saying this in Wollongong, and they might have kids who are just around the corner they never see because of the brokenness of families. Um, age difference. Uh, I don't want to blame social media for everything just yet. Um, <laughs> but tablets, devices, iPhones, grandparents often complain when they go to see their grandkids. Of course, the grandkids, their world is very different. Technology has changed things. In one sense, I'm thankful for COVID because it actually skilled up all those over the age of 60. And so those over 60 have had to work through how they actually use technology to their advantage. And so as the kids get older, they will get phones and other devices. So you can FaceTime, you can text. You can actually send texts and pray for them during their challenging times. So that yeah. means you can ask them questions. Have you got any exams coming up? Can I pray for that? Those are the things you can do to actually help the grandkids through those ups and downs in life. And it's important that you form some sort of relationship while you still can. As they get older, they'll start to spend more time with their peers, uh, just the way of life. And so that'll start to happen around 13, 14, 15. And so you'll just feel like you're not there anymore. But if you've actually had a bit of time when they're younger, you'll be surprised how they will want to come back to you and ask how you're going as you engage with them. Mm -hmm. Very similar to the parenting as well, but yeah, obviously it's a different type of relationship. What are some of the challenges that grandparents are going to face when it comes to being a spiritual influence? You mentioned technology might be one. What are some of the other challenges that grandparents are facing? Yeah, look, I think some of the things to grandparents themselves now, and especially Christian grandparents, it's nearly like they get to a certain stage of life, I'll, I'll just say 60 or 70, and they sometimes feel that oh, I've done my bit. God can't use me anymore. Well, you know, I've been doing this Christian life thing for many years. Now it's my time to rest. Do you think that that comes mainly internally, or do you think that that is also a voice that they're hearing from outside as well? Look, there's a little bit internally. Those listening, look, people do get tired physically, mentally, but I think there's a lot of voices around outside, their culture, uh, even church life, where it's now my time. And so when I started the National Grandparent Movement, I was trying to find out what's out there to help me be a better granddad as a Christian. I saw lots of things on retirement, superannuation, buying a caravan, buying a boat, being a grey nomad. I found very little in the Australian context on what can make me even a better grandparent to do something. There's a number of books in America, but that's America. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have to actually start saying to ourselves, look, we know we're in the last chapter of our lives. I hope people listening to this realise that their grandparents are in that last chapter. Uh, we know what comes next. 
And so time is valuable. And I want to see my grandkids in heaven. Mm. And it's really important that I hold firm to that and realize how will they hear it? They're not going to hear it from the world they're in. Some of them might be going to Christian schools, but their mum and dad may not be Christians or following the Lord. And that sometimes hurts the grandparents because they took their kids to church, but their kids have made their own decision now. But that's why prayer and patience is helpful. And I think as you work through some of those barriers that can be there, you can remind yourself that they need to hear about Jesus. In one sense, I mean, Tim, nothing's changed. There's still only one name under heaven which men can be saved. There's still only one way to Jesus. It was the same for us. But the difference was, I think, there was a more of a culturally accepted world back where I grew up in yeah. where people could say stuff about being a Christian. And now kids are facing a whole range of issues from their peers, whether it be gender issues, how you identify, um, who's in your family. I see mum one, one weekend, dad another weekend. Maybe I don't even see nana and granddad anymore. Uh, and there are things there that can really break your heart. And so I want to be empathetic towards that for those in those situations. But we actually shouldn't lose hope ourselves. We actually need to remind ourselves. It's Philippians 1.6 when Paul says, God will finish the work, the good work he started in you. No matter what age you are, God hasn't finished with you. There's more to say and more for God to do through you for those around you and especially your family. Mm. I think it's um, significant, as you say, is in one sense, it's this last chapter of life when you're in that grandparent age. Um, and yet also, um, we haven't really mentioned the book yet, but you've got a book. We'll talk more about that soon. But there was a chapter in there, I think it might have been um, Colin's chapter, where he talked about because people are living longer, the time that a grandchild might have with their grandparent is longer than it has historically been as well. So it is both the last chapter, but it may be a long last chapter in some yeah. ways. And that's true because, you know, we are taking so many pills now, all healthy pills, of course, I better <laughs> quote fish oil, glucose, I mean, all the good things, uh, but you are living longer. I mean, we're having knee replacements, hip replacements, physically active at 70 or 80 or older. And we don't, well, what's the old phrase, you know, 40 is a new 60 or whatever it might yep. be. We actually don't think of ourselves as being old. And there's so much around there, that, around our society that helps you stay young, that you actually want to stay mentally young. And there's that many, even for old people, that many games that you'll see on, on, online that tell you if you do this game, you'll be mentally alert forever. <laughs> and so we actually are living longer. And so we actually even have more time. If you, I've got to say, if you're intentional, because the question might be, what do you do with your time? Yes. And I, I know, as you know, Tim, the day will come when I do stand before my Heavenly Father. And the question might ask, and I'm a grandfather now with seven grandkids, what did you do with that extra time? Because my job didn't finish as a parent or just, you know, when I was in ministry or retired, there's so much more that comes along now. You know, Christmas is coming up. I'm doing this podcast in November, December. Yep. What are you going to do with Christmas? Are you talking about Christmas? And don't forget there's songs, there's manger scenes, there's shopping and all those sorts of things, but there's an in that you can have with your grandkids. So I encourage grandparents to be thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. We want to think also about the the wider implications of the involvement that those who are of grandparent age can have. And we, given sometimes there's the mobility dislocation of families. So we might have in our churches, we might have those of grandparent age who don't have families who are part of that same local church. Likewise, we might have families with young people uh, and those of us, most, you know, most of us listening are in children's and youth ministry. So those who we're caring for may not have local grandparents. Let's think about the intergenerational space. How uh, can we help those who are grandparent age in our church 
engage helpfully with our the young people in our church? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, Tim, with 2024 just around the corner, I would encourage the children and youth ministers and pastors to lift their eyes, to actually start to rethink the categories they may have for those of a certain demographic. The world of mentoring is powerful. The world of praying is powerful. The world of assistance and being there. If I go back, you weren't born there in the Olympics in 2000. One of the uh, great strengths that happened then was the number of volunteers. And most of the volunteers are a certain demographic. Uh, and, and the other reality is, of course, that through assisting in that, grandparents and those who have a grandparent-type influence actually receive far more than you give. And so I'd encourage the youth ministers and the kids ministers to think, well, how could I engage you know, my neighbour who might be at the 8 o'clock service? Uh, could I approach them and ask them, could they take a list of kids to pray for them? Uh, have they been involved in mission work? Have they been overseas in a mission field? Get them to come and tell their story. Get them to, here's the word, help them realise they're still valuable. Mm. And you will be surprised how that will impact your own ministry and the kids around you. Because many of the kids in our churches probably may not see their grandparents or may not see their grandparents being faithful. Uh, and that's the goal of the National Grandparent Movement, to actually make sure we leave a legacy that outlives us. So I encourage those in ministry to actually rethink about how they have people around them like that. You don't just have to be a grandparent to do this. Uh, and they'll be surprised at the impact. Hey, it's Tim again with a quick end-of-year financial appeal from YouthWorks. One of the significant ministries that YouthWorks has is in supporting the effective teaching and facilitating of special religious education in New South Wales government schools. You can help more children explore God's Word through SRE and learn to navigate life's challenges by having Jesus as their firm foundation. Your support today will help ensure thousands more children can be nurtured in their faith as you help us at YouthWorks train, equip and support SRE teachers with the resources they need to continue this vital work in 2024. And as a special bonus, if you give during December, you can have your tax-deductible gift doubled so more young people can be oriented to Christ for life. Thank you for considering how you can invest today. Just Google YouthWorks SRE Donate. You've written in your chapter, uh, Scripture doesn't let grandparents or even seniors without their own children or grandchildren off the hook when it comes to impacting the next generation. Uh, so they're still on the hook if they're still around in our churches. What would you say to those of grandparent age in our churches to encourage them to be invested in the ministry to young people? That's a good question. Uh, we've got another four hours on the podcast and I'll share it all. Look, I love, the way, I love the way Paul talks to Timothy. There's no doubt about that in 2 Timothy. When he stops, in one sense, looks at Timothy, young guy, and reflects on Lois, his grandma, and Eunice, his mom. And he sees something in Timothy that he sees in his grandmother. And I'm just thinking, look, grandma, I don't think Lois is probably sitting down having a three-hour doctrine lecture with her grandson, <laughs> Timothy. I just can't picture that. But as Lois lives her life, <laughs> washing up, getting food, She's got Timothy involved and there's something happening in that. And I think it's in that dynamic that can I say that grandma has been able to pass on certain characteristics, God-shaped characteristics to Timothy that now Paul sees in Timothy. So that's really powerful. Uh, we have a responsibility, Psalm 145, Deuteronomy 6, Psalm 78, Psalm 71, talks directly. In fact, 
it's a call on us to tell the generations that follow us and the generations yet to be born about the wonders of God, about what God has done. That famous psalm, Psalm 23, when we read about, even though I walk through the valley, brothers and sisters, young people, you're gonna, you, if you haven't walked through a valley yet, you will. Realize those above you have actually already walked through a valley and they should be able to tell about how God held them close to them and held them tight and got them out the other end. So I think there's a call on us still to make sure that those who follow us know about the Lord that we've been following. Uh, and that, you know, gee, I, you can cheat and go with John 3.16. There's lots of things we can share. Um, John 10.10, 10, life in the full. There's all sorts of places we can go to. And often I wonder when I, when I read Luke 15 and the dad and the sons, I picture, this isn't in scripture, by the way, but I picture grandma and grandpa in the background of the dad praying, also having their hearts broken, wondering. So I almost want to say, don't necessarily get anxious with the decisions your grandkids make or the music they listen to or the tattoos they put on their bodies or all the things that are there. You never know how God is going to use that to bring them back. Mm. Hold out in hope and be there for them, either when they leave or in anticipation when they return. Part of what you've done uh, in the last uh, number of years where you were in parish as a senior minister and now um, as you've retired from that position is you've founded and you're the CEO of the National Grandparent Movement. Tell us about that movement. What is it? What does it seek to do? Yeah, look, the National Grandparent Movement started in 2017. We are seeking to equip 30,000 grandparents to be intentional uh, in sharing their faith with their grandkids. Uh, we keep numbers. We have an annual conference. We have other ministries throughout the year where we actually teach people how to be active in, in their roles with their grandkids. We started the conference uh, in 2017. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had no evidence that this is going to work. And so we did our first conference at Fig Tree and we had about 110 grandparents. And we had Peter and Christine Jensen and a few others. And look, it was an effective day. And I thought, oh, that's great. So we did it again uh, in 2018. And then 2019, we had to close registrations about 450. It just really expanded dramatically. Uh, and then something called COVID hit. <laughs> uh, so that impacted it for a while. We'd never thought about doing it online. However, coming out of COVID, we did. Uh, and uh, in 2022, which was last year and this year, we now run it face-to-face and online. And even in September of this year, we had over 700 people involved, about 300 face-to-face and 400 from around Australia and overseas. And I just think it's an evidence that grandparents want to, want to be valued and want to hear about what they can do. And the, the amazing thing is that every speaker that we've had, and we had Billy Graham's daughter uh, this year and Graham Lotz. Next year, we're going to have John Lennox, who's going to speak. It's surprising what people pick up. Uh, and even talking to John Lennox for next year, John's got 10 grandkids. You may not have known that, Tim. Uh, and John he? operates on a level far beyond someone like me. Oh, yeah. And he said, Ian, I've never thought about leaving a legacy to my grandkids. And I said, well, John, this is the time to do that because while your world is so profoundly different to my world, you could actually say things to your own grandkids and to others. And so he said, yes, you'll be involved. So it, it's just surprising when you think about a legacy or your grandkids, what you can say while you still have time. And so the grandparent movement is all about trying to equip grandparents and encourage them to say, again, as I said earlier, that God hasn't finished with them yet. It's amazing that uh, if even someone like John Lennox hasn't actually thought about leaving that legacy, that there are going to be people in our churches who have not thought about it. Like it hasn't actually crossed their awareness yet that uh, they have the opportunity, the responsibility to pass on 
their faith legacy to the next generation, whether it be their biological grandchildren or whether it be the the faith grandchildren that exist in their congregation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have seven grandkids and uh, two are adopted. Uh, and that's another world of fostering yeah. and things like that. But I just, I'll get, you would know this more than I would, Tim, hope. Our kids today need hope, real hope. I'm a Cronulla Sutherland supporter. I certainly hope they win the grand final next year. Uh, I can't put It's happened my house once in 75 years. It's yeah. I can't put my house in it. But there is a hope that they can have that will hold them firm now and take them in the future. And that's a hope in Jesus. And I just want to encourage grandparents and, and look, you know, kids ministers, youth ministers, keep banging on about the hope you have. Let them see that hope. Let them understand that hope. And I think if grandparents more and more are intentional in that, wow, God can use them in a way maybe they haven't been used before. And so maybe their latter years could actually be the most impactful years in their Christian life compared to what they've done before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, part of your National Grandparent Movement is you have produced a book. It's come out for YouthWorks Media. Um, you've written some chapters. We've got Colin Bale, uh, Sarah and Keith Condy. Uh, you're showing that to me. Uh, there's no camera here. I don't think that doesn't really matter. Uh, Jonathan Harris, uh, Christine Peter Jensen, Mike Rader, Kel Richards. What um, what are you hoping to do with this book? What have you? What are all the authors contributing, and how does this help the conversation move forward? Look, I think that's a great word. It actually is a conversation. I think from every chapter, people are telling their own perspective. Colin Bale, a dear brother, a historian, so he brings a very unique perspective about grandparenting in Australia. Kel Richards, I've known Kel for a long time. He's been around. Prayer is his passionate thing. And look. Peter and Christine Jensen, we all know the Jensen family, and we probably all know their story, but maybe we don't know about their story as grandparents. And I remember when they spoke at our first conference in 2017, some of the questions that came back, even Christine found them profoundly difficult to answer. And they're a family with over, from memory, 20 grandkids. Uh, they got quite a few. Um, but it just, it's wonderful to actually see how, as you get older, you actually do get a bit wiser. And Proverbs talks about gray hair is a sign of wisdom, which is wonderful. I haven't got all my hair. Oh, I've got plenty hair. for both of us. <laughs> that's you worrying too much. Too. That's, that's <laughs> from the podcast on worry and anxiety. Uh, uh, and so, look, it's just great. I hope the book has a profound impact. Christmas coming up. Uh, buy the book through YouthWorks. It, it'll be a great gift to your grandparents. Look, and if you're a parent out there or a kids minister thinking, well, I do have some grandparents in my ministry that have really helped me. How about you buy them the book to encourage them? Mm. Uh, it's not too dear. I think it's 21 bucks or something. It's quite cheap. And YouthWorks have been great. So I hope it's sold out and we have to do a second run. Yep. Uh, and then Natasha Percy, wonderful lady. I'll plug in for Nash Natasha. Um, <laughs> we'll get the second book ready uh, in another year. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll put the link in the show notes. People can click on through to youthworksmedia.com and they can find the book there. One of the key reasons that I think this conversation is really significant is because one of our principles of effective ministry at YouthWorks for effective youth and children's ministry is the intergenerational piece so that we actually are embedding our young people into other generations and so that there can be mutual benefit here. And I was saying to you just before we started recording that in the intergenerational world, I spent a lot of time there, most of the energy comes either from youth and children's ministers uh, or those who are engaged with our grandparent age and our senior saints because they're the ones who seem to be pushed to the margins of church life. Church life works fairly well if you're 25 to 65. Um, and if you're outside of there, it's not doesn't feel like it's quite a natural fit. And so part of the intergenerational picture is trying to build 
those generations back in for the youth and children to say, you are not too young to have a role. You can be contributors into the life of the church and be a benefit to other generations. And you don't retire out of being part of the body of Christ either. Uh, you still contribute, you can still have a purpose. And that doesn't mean running around playing dodgeball at youth group, but there are other roles that you can have. Uh, any final word for, again, most of our audience is going to be children and youth ministers. They're thinking about the young people in their group. Any other encouragement uh, as we finish off about the value that building intentional relationships with the youth and kids that are in our ministries, with the senior saints in our church and with their own grandparents, the, the value that that can have? Yeah, look, I, I personally think they've got so much to offer still. And I think as, as all the workers out there start to look around their churches, and look, many churches, I don't want to quote a number, you might have a number in your head, Tim. Many of our Anglican churches, and probably Baptist and others, are aging. Uh, there are a lot of older saints mm -hmm. around. So they still would like to be involved, would like to be asked. You're right, dodgeball may not be on their agenda. <laughs> but, you know, their capacity to engage, uh, to speak, to think through, to pray, to tell their stories, to even be mentoring younger people and younger teenagers, both and both boys and girls. I don't want to just say girls, uh, but both boys, they need role models. Um, if you've walked with Jesus for a long time, you like it or not, you're a role model. And like it or not, you're leaving a legacy. My question to you all is, well, what's the role model you are and what's the legacy you're leaving? Because you are leaving a legacy. Be intentional. Um, actually think about how you can pass your faith on to the generations that follow you as scripture calls, calls you to do. And brothers and sisters, as you're listening, how about you in 2024, take the step and ask, try one, try two, and see if you can get them involved in what you're doing. That's wonderful. What a great word of finishing. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tim. Great to be part of it. The Effective Ministry Podcast is a production of YouthWorks in Sydney. We want to see effective youth and children's ministry in every church. One of the ways that you can help us do that is by letting people know about this podcast in all the usual ways, like, comment, share, and review on your favorite social media and podcasting platform. If you've got comments, thoughts, or questions for this podcast, you can email us at effectiveministrypodcast at youthworks.net and also check out youthworks.net for other ways that YouthWorks can help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your church.